This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. They've arrived, the hot, humid dog days of summer. And that means the highways will be packed with people escaping the city, heading to cottage country. It's the perfect time to explore lakeside living. And from Lake Erie to the Muskokas, Prince Edward County to Halliburton, there are plenty of options for Zoomers who'd like to get their own little piece of paradise. Today, Phil Soper, president of Royal LePage, will tell us how to get the most out of the market. Plus, what do some of the world's finest athletes have in common? Why does Brazil produce so many good soccer players while some of the world's top marathon runners come from Kenya? Rasmus Ankerson, a renowned coach and a presenter at Idea City 2014, set out to answer these questions. He believes the insight he's found can help us all perform at a higher level in our daily lives. That's coming up. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's a generational fact we've talked about many times. Millennials just aren't packing up and moving out the way previous generations did. And now a report from the Harvard Joint Center for Housing Studies says that is the cause of a slowdown in the American housing market. According to the State of the Nation Housing Report, the national home ownership rate declined for the ninth straight year in 2013, and now stands at its lowest point since 1995. The drop has been most severe among people in their late 20s through their early 40s, the prime ages for both first-time and trade-up homebuyers. The organization says this substantial decline in ownership has been an important reason for the continued weakness in the housing market. So, what's the secret to a happy marriage? A new British study suggests sleeping naked leads to more happiness in a relationship. Of the 1,000 people surveyed, nearly 60% of those who sleep in the nude said they were happy in their marriages, compared to just under 50% of those who wear pajamas and 40% of nighty and onesie wearers. You heard me right. Onesie wearers, beware. The good news is, apparently, nearly half of Zoomers over 55 sleep in the buff. This week, American Olympic distance runner and World War II veteran Louis Zamperini passed away. He went from shaking hands with Adolf Hitler when competing in Berlin's 1936 Olympics to enlisting and fighting against the Nazis when America joined the war in 1941. In May 1943, a B-24 bomber Zamperini was serving on crashed into the Pacific Ocean. He survived 47 days on a raft 
and then endured two years in Japanese prison camps. Zamperini's story was told in Unbroken, Laura Hillenbrand's 2010 bestseller. A film adaptation directed by Angelina Jolie is coming out this December. Louis Zamperini was 97. And finally, music and film star Dolly Parton says she's been so busy making records she didn't realize she had racked up so many sales. The Recording Industry Association of America has certified Parton for sales of 100 million albums worldwide. The 68-year-old was given a special plaque before her appearance at the Glastonbury Festival in England. Parton says it's a great honor knowing so many fans have supported her through the years. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. In most years, prime time for the cottage country real estate market would have come and gone by now. But 2014's protracted winter has delayed things a bit. Realtors say it's still a buyer's market, whether you're looking for an entry-level cottage or a multi-million dollar beachfront compound. Zoomers are one of the key driving forces in the market, and they have particular requirements. I talked to Phil Soper, president of Royal LePage, about what to look for and where to find it. We see something uh, that we sometimes refer to as the uh, the two-for-one uh, syndrome happening with the baby boom generation where they either downsize, sometimes they're not downsizing, they're just changing the, the style of home they're going to, but they move to another kind of property in the city and at the same time invest in a a recreational property, uh, either domestically or abroad. Over the last five years, there's been a uh, tremendous amount of interest in American Sunbelt property uh, because the Canadian dollar is very strong and prices in America were very depressed. But in 2014, we saw an abrupt end to that the economic recovery, real estate recovery in the United States has led to much more uh, expensive uh, Sunbelt property. And uh, we're still at 2007 price levels in most of uh, cottage country in uh, Canada. So uh, relatively uh, domestic property is a real deal. What areas and what type of properties in Ontario would appeal to Zoomers? And are they all new cottage buyers? Are they first-time buyers? Some people are looking for cottages as either a four-season retirement home or a place that they're going to be spending much more than just weekends at as they, as they move into retirement or semi, uh, semi-retirement. One of the interesting trends in recent years has seen the introduction of more a shared or condominium property in uh, cottage country. Developers first started doing this in the uh, real estate boom of the uh, early and mid-2000s. What are the most popular uh, regions for Zoomers, and what is the most popular type of a property? Waterfront property still is the dominant form of, of recreational property for for Zoomers and for cottage goers uh, of all demographic uh, stages. So that's number one. Uh, in terms of areas, you can draw a semicircle of about a two-hour drive from major urban centers in Ontario, and you'll find the, the properties within that, that arc command the highest prices and, and the, the most uh, interest. Now, if 
uh, one of the things we've found with uh, baby boomers is uh, they're sometimes willing to uh, make a longer drive uh, because they're not potentially commuters. But uh, we also know that people of the baby boomer generation are thinking ahead and they want access to uh, services that go beyond uh, you know, their own uh, sewage and water. They want uh, access to uh, shopping. They want access to medical facilities. So, so communities like Collingwood are, are, are very popular. Uh, Prince Edward County would be another development to the east of Toronto that has, has shown uh, there's been significant interest uh, in uh, retirement and semi-retirement age cottage buyers. Now, are there any areas in Ontario that are still what you would consider a bargain that are maybe a little undiscovered? So, for example, I mentioned uh, Prince Edward County. It's it's not an undiscovered cottage region in Ontario at all anymore, but it still offers uh, a tremendous value, particularly when compared to the, uh, the Muskoka region. Uh, the Halliburton area the Frontenac area uh, north of Kingston, between Ottawa and Kingston, very, very popular. So it is not a seller's market right now. Buyers uh, across Ontario have lots of opportunity to find uh, property at various price points. Because of the weather this season for selling, cottage real estate was apparently late getting started. So where are we at now? Yeah, no, the market is still in full swing everything and in particular the recreational property market was delayed this year so no we're very much in the uh, uh, full selling season right now and how long will that season last it'll last right uh, through the summer uh, and start to peter off uh, after labor day okay thanks a lot phil no, no problem you take care i'm libby Snymer, and you're listening to the zoomer week in review what does it take to become one of the world's top athletes And what do people who perform at peak levels have in common? These are two questions Rasmus Ankerson brought forth at Idea City 2014. He says the answers can help us all in our daily lives, and he'll share them with us in just a moment. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. This weekend, we saw two Canadians, Eugenie Bouchard and Milos Raonic, take centre stage at Wimbledon. Of course, they have talent and thousands of hours on the court, but what else sets them apart? Our next guest has been exploring the secrets of high performance in five best-selling books and as a trusted advisor to businesses and athletes around the world. I chatted with Rasmus Ankerson backstage at Idea City 2014. I realized that at one point that the the best athletes in the world tend to come from the same small places. So the best middle distance runners in the world come from the same Ethiopian village with 17,000 inhabitants. And uh, 35% of the world's 100 best female golfers come from South Korea. Uh, There's a a village in, in, in northern Sweden with 500 people producing some of the best alpine skiers in history. So uh, I thought that was really, really interesting. Why, why is it that they be produce just one world-class performer after another? When, when we look at those things, we all think, well, it's the gene pool. Yeah, that's the, that's the first uh, response people tend to have. And I think that's, that's, what we, that's the explanation we come up with when, when there's something we don't understand. Then it's always about the genes, right? 
But actually, there's there's a lot of other explanations, and I'm not saying that genes don't matter. I think there's definitely a genetic factor, uh, but um, I don't think there's a race-linked genetic advantage. What did you do to solve this mystery? Yeah, so I decided to um, to travel around for six months and and literally live and train with the athletes and the coaches. And where did you go? Uh, so I, dis- I, I my first destination was uh, was Kenya in 2000, January 2010. So in Kenya, there's this small area called Iten uh, that produced uh, a lot of the best marathon runners in the world. Uh, my second destination was uh, Jamaica. So it's a one, one athletic cup in the outskirts of Kingston producing uh, the best some of the best sprinters in the world. Uh, I went to Korea uh, to study the large disproportionate number of, of, of uh, world-class female golfers. Uh, I went to Ethiopia uh, to visit the village producing the best middle-distance runners in the world. And I went to Brazil to understand why, why do the best soccer players in the world come from Brazil. What I found was that to become really excellent at what you do, you just got to practice a lot. And that's the common denominator in all these gold mines. So um, in, in Ethiopia, in the village, there's no infrastructure. There's no buses, no cars, no bikes. So kids run 10Ks to school and 10Ks back. Uh, I actually met the, the, the best athlete in the world ever, probably, uh, Heilige Baselassi, who had the world record on the marathon. He's world known, not only because he runs so fast, but also because he does it with a very uh, strange running style. So he runs like with a constantly crooked left arm and the reason he does that is because for many years he ran 10 case to school and 10 case back with his school back under his left arm so really the, the best athlete in the world is still running around with his school books so so sometimes we think we see god gifted talent a genetic pool uh, but really what we see is just somebody who who practiced a lot more than everybody else at an early age you went to Kingston, and the coach in Kingston uh, didn't look very athletic to me. <laughs> no, Stephen Francis, who's the who's the best who's the best uh, sprinting coach in the world, most successful one, and uh, and he probably weighed I would say 150 kilos, and uh, he never sprinted. He was a statistician, and graduated at Michigan University. And coming back to Jamaica, he founded this 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 athletic club called the MVP Track and Field Club. And, and what he did was pretty interesting because he didn't, he didn't recruit the, like, the, the, what I call the talent that shouts, so the obvious talent. But he took what, what I would call more talent that whispers, so that, that undervalued talent that everybody else overlooked. And they became the world's best. So, so he just did better than everybody else at, at spotting the talent. But you said that you got there and you wondered they don't even have a proper running track. No, I came out there at half past five in the morning and it was just still a bit dark, I remember. And I looked around and thought, where's the running track? Because all I saw was this big grass field. And, um, and it turned out that they actually don't have a running track. I mean, they trained on a diesel scorched grass track and in a, in a gym with rusty weights. And uh, you wouldn't see that here. I mean, that, 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 that would be really, really downgraded. It'd be, seen, it'd be perceived as really downgraded facilities. But his idea was, Stephen Francis, that sometimes if you make life too easy for people, uh, you never get to see who really wants it the most because a, a talent environment should be designed for people to struggle to improve and not for them to feel too comfortable. Conclusions did you grow up? What, what are the common things uh, for high performance? 
Lots of research have, have showed that, um, that you've you got to practice 10,000 hours. That's known as the 10,000 hour rule. As I said, in Ethiopia, they run to school, so they practice 10,000 hours before everybody else. In Brazil, they play in the streets, so a Brazilian boy would reach his 10,000 hours at the age of 13, whereas a Canadian boy or a Danish boy practicing three times a week would reach his 10,000 hours in his late 20s. Another thing is role models. So you, you want somebody to break, to break the ice, to be your icebreaker, so as to say. And you see that in, in all the gold mines, that, that one guy breaks the ice and then everybody then the risk comes. If you live in Kenya and um, you see your neighbor or your cousin winning a big competition and you think, well, that guy is shorter than me. If he can do it, why can't I? And then you act with belief. So you need that role model that will inspire you to say and think, well, if that guy can do it, why can't I? Finding somebody who done what you want to do is the best way of getting to a place where you think you can do it yourself. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. You can watch Rasmus Ankerson's Idea City 2014 presentation at ideacityonline.com. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. An iconic Canadian rock and roller is celebrating his 71st birthday this weekend. In just a moment, we'll return with the music of Robbie Robertson. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your International Arts Date Book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In Chicago, Funky Turns 40 is an exhibition which celebrates positive black characters featured in Saturday morning cartoons for the first time in TV history. A Bill Cosby creation was one of them. Funky Turns 40 is at the DuSable Museum. The Booth Theater in Maine is celebrating 20 years with a musical based on a popular 1970s TV sitcom. Happy Days has a book by Gary Marshall and music and lyrics by Paul Williams. To London, England, where a first-of-its-kind exhibit goes back in time to explore the ways color has been created in all types of art. Making Color is at the National Gallery. And in Paris, a tribute to Barbie, the fashion star, is at the Doll Museum, where she continues to be an inspiration for designers. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Date Book. This weekend, Robbie Robertson, the iconic Canadian rock star, is celebrating his 71st birthday. Robertson is best known for his role as lead guitarist and primary songwriter with the band. He's credited with such classics as The Weight, Up on Cripple Creek, Rag Mama Rag, Stage Fright, and The Shape I'm In. The band has been inducted into both the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. Robertson is also a member of the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame, and he was named 59th on Rolling Stone magazine's list of top 100 guitarists. Right now, we'll hear an example of Robbie Robertson's exquisite songwriting. It's a story about the last days of the American Civil War, told from the perspective of a Confederate soldier. Here is the band with The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. Virgil King. 
That was the band with The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. Lead guitarist and songwriter Robbie Robertson celebrated his 71st birthday this weekend. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Louise Neimer. Thank you so much for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week when we talk about Canada's emergence as a tennis powerhouse. You've been listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Nyman. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Bandriel. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.